The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's Christmas! Yes, in the uh, worst Slade impression you've ever heard, uh, we are here embracing the fact that Christmas is rapidly approaching, so we're doing the first of two Christmas films. This particular festive film that we are watching today is turning 30 years old, and it is... Die Hard! Now, there's some of you out there going, but it's not a Christmas film. Well, we'll be the judge of that. We'll find out. It's set at Christmas, and... Look, I've just been very much looking forward to reviewing this film, so we're doing it. Please enjoy. Uh, joining us to review this uh, this rather bloody Christmas caper, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Ellen Sears. Hello, Stephen. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too badly. Good. Not and, too badly. Uh, you've not seen Die Hard. I don't think I have, no. I'm pretty sure I haven't. If I did, I was like six, so, you know. That's the right age to start watching Die Hard, I think. No, I, I feel like this is probably something that was on TV when I was a kid, and my brother might have recorded it off the TV or one of the sequels, but I never watched it because I was prone to nightmares, as anybody who has listened to the Jurassic Park podcast will know. That's true, yes. Because yes, <laughs> that movie still gives me nightmares occasionally. So, what what do you know about Die Hard? Uh, Bruce Willis is in it. It's set at Christmas, and I'm presuming there's a lot of explosions, and I feel like there's a bit with him in the vent in like ventilation shafts i think i've seen that i think clip. you've just described the film that's perfectly. just the whole film yeah, yeah that's 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 more or less my understanding of it it's it's an action thriller of some capacity but that's about all i got all right well joining <laughs> uh, you and me to help uh, shepherd you through this action film uh, slash festive fun family time it's <laughs> luke jago everybody hello hi platt how you going hi ellen hello uh, we are good now, Jago. Um, the again, I have to point out the only professional film reviewer on the uh, on the pod. <laughs> um, Thanks. <laughs> yes, um, That's a very loose term. Oh, uh, we'll yeah. count it though. Um, Thanks. Now then, um, Die Hard. I presume you like Die Hard. Yeah, oh, look, I love this film. <laughs> Grew up with it. It's one of those ones again, and. Uh, yeah, saw it as a kid, loved it. It was a very, a very overwatched film in our household. We and my brother would um, watch it a lot, and yeah, it's pretty great. Now, do you tend to watch this film around Christmas time when you're doing your rewatching, or is it an any time of the year film? It's any time of the year for me, but these days, um, yeah, I'll try and make a point of watching it around Christmas. Yeah, 
Excellent. And in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can Ellen uh, and people who have not seen this film look forward to as they uh, prepare to press play on their DVDs? I think they can look forward to like a really pioneering action film because it's kind of the the first film that had the whole one location, lots of action sort of stuff happening in it instead of kind of a sprawling around the city or around the globe, that sort of thing. It was really, so it's more kind of like focused. Yeah, it's a focused uh, in one sort of area, and then that kind of gave the term to a lot of action movies, like Passenger Fifty Seven is Die Hard on a plane, mm. and Speed is Die Hard on a bus. Gotcha. And yeah, so this is like the first one of those, you know, and uh, mm. it's uh, you know a challenging for a screenwriter, mm. you know, to keep everything in one location and keep it interesting, and you know, and there's got to be plot developments and surprises all within this which is set in a building. I mean, that's all you need yeah. to know. Mm. Um, yeah. It's kind of, kind of, kind of like uh, the the film equivalent of like a locked room murder mystery play. Yeah, exactly. Except but, it's no mystery but who's not doing a murder the mystery. murders. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they are very evidently on screen. Yeah. All right. Well, Interesting. With all that being the case, shall we watch Die Hard? Sure. Yeah. All right. For those of you listening at home, pop in your DVDs and get me those detonators as we prepare to watch Die Hard. While Stephen and his guests are watching the film in question, I'm just going to take this moment to tell you about another project from Thought Jar Productions. It's a science fiction radio play series called Atlantis, and it's available to download right now. All you have to do is go to www.atlantisradioplay.com, click the Listen Online tab, and you can listen online or download up to seven episodes of original science fiction content from Thought Jar Productions. That's atlantisradioplay.com. And now, back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Die Hard. That's right, and I'm joined by my guests Ellen Sears. Hello. And Luke Jago. Hello. So, Ellen, that was your first time watching Die Hard. Yeah. What did you think? That was fine, great. Sorry, like, <laughs> what rating is this film? Are you going to have swearing on the podcast? Uh, it's an M rating, but oh. you know what? I, I think... I think there's enough swearing there's in it. There's plenty of F-bombs. There's plenty of F-bombs. There's a lot of F-bombs in that. To justify. This, this podcast will have the, the uh, bad language warning. Because you can't talk about a diehard film without someone saying, yippee Kaye, motherfucker. I feel like this is the kind of thing I would have enjoyed watching as a kid. But I understand why I wasn't allowed to watch it. Because, you know, scary things and bullets and stuff. But this is the kind of thing that I would have watched with my brother, like, when I was sort of in upper primary or in high school. And we, I probably would have really enjoyed it. But mm. I really enjoyed it now. Excellent. And uh, Jago, this was your first time watching it in how long? Maybe a year or two? Yeah, probably about a year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want, like, yeah, I've been watching it every Christmas now because mm. it just it just feels like Christmas, you know, when you watch it. Mm. And yeah, and so I was happy to do it this time around with you guys. I like awesome. I like that I like that Stephen's Christmas movie is The Muppets, and this is your <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> like The Muppets Christmas well, Carol versus Die Hard. I mean, yeah. admittedly, but. I used to, for quite a few years, would watch Muppets Christmas Carol 
immediately followed by Die Hard on Christmas <laughs> Eve. That that was my tradition. So amazing. Um, because I really enjoy Die Hard, and and I think we should address the the is it a Christmas film or not thing thing right now. Mm. So this film was released middle of 1988. It wasn't you know billed as a Christmas mm. film. Yeah. But I feel as though the Christmas setting and is the, kind of incidental. The Christmas setting is incidental, but I feel as though Christmas gets used within the story yeah. to the point where I feel as though it gets mentioned enough. There's enough Christmas things <clears throat> like. Well, also just I, I like Christmas is sort of the reason it happens. They choose to do yeah. it. The the terrorists in quotation marks choose to attack the tower because it's Christmas Eve and it's going to be. Mostly uh, empty. And... Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, things like the the tape that John uses at the end to stick the gun to his back is there because it's present wrapping tape that says season's greetings. If it wasn't Christmas, he wouldn't have that tape. Exactly. Absolutely right. um, yeah. And yeah, it, it, there is this sort of this sort of festive spirit that is present, even if it's not the driving force of the film. So, say, compare it to the film that we're covering next week for Christmas, which is Elf, which is very much your traditional Christmas fair. This particular one is, um, it's more just as though there's some Christmas happening around, um, but it's not integral to the actual story or plot. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's actually more than I thought about it. Because for me, like, it's it depends on who you are. I think if it's a Christmas film, and yeah. I've heard arguments against it as well, it's like, well, it's not really, it's okay, it's set during Christmas, but... It's not a Christmas movie. It's not a Christmas carol when it is, you know, that is about Christmas mm. and... But, or is it, really? I mean... What know. is Christmas about? Well, that is exactly right. Yeah. This is a, you this could is do a whole that, new you could do existential... That story. <laughs> yeah. You I could th- do Christmas carol without it being at Christmas, technically, I guess. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. But yeah, it's... it's uh, Regardless of whether or not you agree with it, I think we can sort of pull away from that and say Die Hard is a great action film and yeah i I don't know how you feel about this luke jagger but i would argue that it is maybe the best action film produced in the 1980s uh yeah look in this moment without um too much thought i would agree with you because i think it's just a little bit more than an 80s action film Mm. i think it's actually a really good drama it's a good kind Mm. of family drama in a way it's a good thriller as well. There's good yeah. like thriller components to it as well. Which mm. is I mean, nice. l- looking at other films to compare it to, obviously there's the original Terminator. Yeah, there's Terminator the... Two is much better though. Well, true. That's ninety one I mean... though. So <laughs> it's nineties. Yeah. yeah, I think if I if the Terminator Two was in the eighties, that might just beat it out. But um, uh, obviously you got Predator, which is also yeah. John uh, McTiernan, which, which gave me so many nightmares. Mm. Um, I mean, you could probably compare it to something like Lethal Weapon and Lethal mm. Weapon Two. You know, they're they're probably the other big um 80s yeah and then the weapon was was that tom cruise no that's uh, gibson danny glover gotcha yeah Yeah. and the other ones just looking at a quick uh list you've obviously got some rambos in there you've got commando robocop aliens um another movie that gave me nightmares uh escape from new york (laughs) oh man escape from new york so but they're all i'd I'd put them in the science fiction kind of category okay. i think a lot of those yeah, ones that's fair. but it's pure like you know they're like action horror sci-fi they're more yeah. whereas this is this is definitely like an action thriller with a side of christmas yeah, yeah. Side a slice of christmas, of christmas fruit cake hmm. <laughs> so i mean the story itself is quite simple really uh john mcclane new york cop is in los angeles to uh what a dump meet up with his <laughs> meet up with his um estranged wife um holly who is working at uh Nakatomi a very Plaza. festive name yeah holly. i suppose holly yeah yeah hey. fair enough um 
with the slightly less festive Gennaro that she's using because Gennaro, yeah, yeah, they're they're having a they're having a bit of a, a difficult time in their marriage. She's... Isn't there a Gennaro in Jurassic Park? Yeah, the lawyer who gets hey. eaten on the toilet. Maybe they're related. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, same universe. Maybe they're cousins. Anyway. Yeah. The um, but point being though that that he's he's there to to meet with his wife and they're he's come over for Christmas and mm. she's got this big career that's happening in, in LA in, in the, you know, the business at uh, Nakatomi tower. And, uh, you know, he's just there to have a, have a, a, a difficult family holiday basically. And then it gets interrupted by these uh, terrorists that turn up these <laughs> German terrorists led by um, Alan Rickman, Al- <laughs> Alan Rickman <laughs> as Hans Gruber, who, who's just uh, Alan. What did you think of Alan Rickman in this role? He's, isn't this one of his first this major is his film very roles? First film. I thought it was. Mm. Um, I actually, I kind of knew that he was in this, but had like not connected the dots until um, his name started to come up in the credits, and I was like, "Oh, right, of course, that's this film, and he's in it." Yes, speaking he's of great. Credits, speaking of credits, I loved your first comment, Ellen, when um, <laughs> the first credit came up, and you went "impact," and I was like, "Oh, you're referring to the font." Yeah, you know, the, I do that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I thought, well, she's in for a great ride if she's impressed with the font. Of this film. She's gonna love it. I'm a big, mm. I'm a big font snob, especially when it comes to like titles in films. And sometimes titles in films come up, and I just go, "Oh, this is gonna be a bad film." When people are like, "How do you know that?" I'm like, "Because that font is just." It's so unfortunate. It's this and it's that and it's da 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 da. And they're like, "What? Hmm. What? How do you know all this?" Like, because I really like fonts. No, like choosing a good font is an art, I think. And I think I know I know it's pay attention to it Mm. a lot, you know. And Mm. when you got bold choices, sometimes Mm. to choose the pun, but it's um yeah, it really does affect the tone of the film. So I'm totally with you there, Alan. Hmm. Anyway. But you liked Alan Rickman. I did like Alan Rickman. (laughs) I I I really like his work. I have liked. I, all the stuff that I've seen him in, I've been like, "Yes, you're great." But mm. he was he was very good in this. I really enjoyed him. He was, and obviously Alan. He was so young. I was like, "He's such a baby face." Oh it, my gosh! His accent is um, it's interesting. Obviously, because he's he's not German. Um, he's he's yeah. an English actor, but it's that thing in Hollywood of English people playing Germans mm. to be villains. Mm. Um, it's a very subtle accent. It is, because obviously with, with Alan Rickman and, you know, when you did the voice before and I will shortly do it myself sure because it's will. fun to do, yeah. you know, Alan Rickman is a very iconic voice, very, he's talking down here and he's talking very slowly like this Mr. Potter. But it, in this film, he doesn't yeah. really do that. No. no. Well, actually, isn't it? A, I, I believe it was a speech impediment. It was something to do with like his actual like jaw and like how much he could actually move his mouth that was a part of his way of speaking right I yeah well what i really liked I might though, be wrong. was that he was just very in control yes very calm very he, he, to be honest i was what whilst watching this film i was going this is a role that if it was done today would only be played by benedict cumberbatch it's that sort yeah. of yeah. very drawly um, yeah, sort of mastermind type yeah. character. Char- so dry. I love his yeah. dryness in it. He's just so brilliant, dry. and just th- that he's whole. He's just so calm behind yeah. the eyes. Like he's just so totally in control all and, the time. Uh, the whole scene with it. with Harry, where yeah. Harry's coming in yeah, trying was, to make an offer, yeah. and he's just oh. you know, Hans Booby. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you're very perceptive. You're very perceptive. You figured out all this. And by you're just yourself. sitting there going, "This guy's gonna die." <laughs> yeah, he's, this guy's it, gonna die. It is a really great performance particularly because you know this is this is an an 80s action film where generally your baddies are kind of equally strong or stronger than your protagonist you know when it's Mm. looking at predator obviously you've got arnold schwarzenegger versus 
the Predator. It's yeah. you know, it's that kind of like big muscle band thing. So having somebody who and I think when, wasn't physically imposing yeah. was really interesting. He had his goons who were imposing, like Absolutely. Carl. I think that I think that as a bad guy, in terms of like, I'm trying to think of like other. 80s movies because there's always a certain amount of like cheesy campness that you associate with the 80s and with a lot of films that mm. came out around that time. This guy felt like this this could be like a real dude who would actually exist in the real world, mm. not like sort of a cartoon pantomime villain, mm. which some of them did feel like. Mm. And 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 looking back at some of those big action films from the 80s, you're like uh, it's a little bit like in only because, you know, action movies have sh- shifted and changed so much since then, I think. Mm. Yeah, and you could say the same for John McClane, I guess, you know, the kind of every man, you know, not yeah. muscle bound Arnie type. Yeah, I mean, action, yeah. You, know. you know, Bruce Willis is, is certainly a, a fit looking dude and, you know, can handle himself in a fight and is a proficient, uh, you know, person with, with firearms. But you don't ever get the impression that he's like an ubermensch, you know. He's yeah, not he's like, not you know, infallible. No. Yeah, yeah, you know, and we see that. We see him like, you know before he even gets into the situation after it was the argument with Holly and, and John's just banging his head on the wall going, you're an idiot, John, you're an idiot. And then he's freaking out for the first 10 minutes after the, the terrorist attack. You know, he's freaking out on those upper floors going, what am I going to do, John? What are we going to do? That kind of thing, like talking mm. to himself. And then he gets into the rhythm of like fighting for his life and sneaking around. And then as soon as he starts talking to Hans with the radio, he's really enjoying it. Mm. Yeah, he's really enjoying so being... So are we. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's so fun. Being that fly in the ointment, that pain in the ass, as he describes it, he's yeah. he's really, really quite good and a bit a bit cheeky, which I think is is important. Welcome to the NYPD. Mm. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like every like cop stereotype kind of blit into one. Mm. Can't help but love him. Um, one of the notes I've got written down here is just uh, something that you noticed, Alan, which was that it was very orange at the start of this Why film. was this film so orange? Has I it just not been digitally remastered? I like... think it's a classic, you know, it's just your classic, you know, orange-tinted, um, polluted I mean, skyline I mean, LA. Los Angeles is a trash hole. And it, it, <laughs> like it, it's so yeah. dirty. It's LA, it's the 80s, and it starts at sunset. I think that's mm. why it was so orange, because they're trying but to get the impression. But it was just continuously orange for, like, a good 15 or 20 minutes until they like got into the building and the party in the nighttime and then it was slightly less orange maybe it was also to make them look more tan i don't know like we're in california we're probably not we're probably in a film studio somewhere else entirely different who knows yeah i I think it's a established a mood you know kind of the setting it's going into night where the action's going to take place and Mm. but yeah it's it's la it's it's mm. polluted and yeah. you know I it don't is know, dirty, it's, but it's beautiful to look at. You know? It is, and I think it's one of the things that this film does so well with with visuals and particularly with sound is establishing that that mood and like having not only the ode to joy being brought in um, yeah. for key parts, but also having the the ominous Christmas music. Yeah, <laughs> the points. jingle bells, mm. just the ching, yeah. ching, 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 and the, the titles come in. Yeah, so. and and also little bits like when the 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 Hans Gruber's goons are running around and rigging the building up to to do their nefarious deeds, and you've got this undercurrent of like um, I forget which Christmas Carol it was, but I was starting to sing along with it because I recognised yeah. the the tune in the middle. Um, it's that it's that very classic thing that you get where you've got like oh I recognise this and so it's like familiar and your brain yeah. is like attaching to that and being like yes 
yeah, I am familiar the, with this. Yeah, the use of that, but with... Um, That's how the Herald Angels sing, right? There was a bit of that. Dun, dun, I think there was also... Dun, 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 there was one... The, the one that mentioned snow, <laughs> which oh, is oh, most oh. of it. Let it snow, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. There was My, a... Our pal, Reginald Vell Johnson from Family Matters, is mm. singing along. They did this really interesting thing a couple of times, especially at the beginning, where they would follow a character from like right behind their head. I felt like I was in like an FPS occasionally. Like mm. I felt like I was in a first-person oh, shooter yeah. game. Yeah, I love how um, John McTiernan stages his action, and yeah, yeah, and it, it is he he loves to move the camera, which I just yeah. love. I love and, you know just it, which informs the action, even if it's just someone walking from one end of the room to the other. Mm. But even when action is going off, he's constantly moving the camera, mm. and he knows how to. Uh, stage those movements from different perspectives that they cut together perfectly it and just really, create momentum. It was really beautifully shot. I yeah. also think bringing By up... By Yonder Bond, who, is the, who directed Speed and, oh. and Twister. Yeah, so this is... He was a cinematographer oh, Twister is great. Yeah, I love Twister. God, I love that film. Yeah, but then he made The Haunting and Speed 2, Cruise Control. Oh, yeah, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. No. There is that. Um, the, the bringing up the first-person shooter angle, I think, is interesting as well because... I really felt um, watching it this time, as we're seeing John get start off when when the the attack begins, it felt quite video gamey in the, in that yeah. sense. In terms of like you know, there's action right? first person shooters, kind of like Uncharted, yeah. where it's you're alone and you've just got the gun, and then he kills the first guy and he gets the bag and he gets the equipment, and it yeah. it, it just felt in a little bit like it was. I think what it did that other action films don't tend to do is it really made you connect with John and with his experience and you're showing the tools. And I think that's something this film does as well is it sets everything up really well. Watching yeah. the first 20 minutes, seeing Argyle's limousine pull up in, in the underneath and see it was quite yeah. a long shot and maybe wasn't necessary, but you then discover that it is because it's establishing that he's going to be there for most of the rest of the film and how that's going to impact Later That's on what in the plot. I love about this film is mm. the attention to detail. It's yeah. kind of sort of silly, the whole terrorist plot is, yeah. in a way. The the detail, even just of them, you know, their process, that when the terrorists first mm. rock up and, you know, someone's sawing these lines and his brother is having to, you know, try and beat him and do all the circuitry and things like that. And But you're getting introduced to each yeah. terrorist as well, yeah. which we, is um, impactful for every time they get killed yeah like the um they're a real person they're yeah, not just yeah. another faceless goon which i think is what you get in a lot of stuff now like a lot of your big kind of action films it's just like oh let, let's just send in more goons sort of thing and you have no idea who these people are they're just like faceless extras yeah this it actually felt like oh these are actually people yeah it did like um the the the, the asian goon who just starts stealing snacks while he's yeah. waiting yeah, for this like, love, to n- nice it's... little like details like that he is a yeah. classic hollywood stunt man who mm. just pops up in lots of movies and yeah you know, just he's great i love his face they you know he's got a great face yeah and then and then yeah you're right when you see their kneecaps get blown out with squibs. oh my god how good were the squibs in this <laughs> i just love your nerd. comment you're like oh man little bone and shit flying around I was just like, yeah. Can you? T- yeah, my yeah. um, my mum's my mum's a, a wound care nurse, and so I'm oh, wow. I'm used to looking at pictures of holes in people. Yeah, mm. but that's that's something that's a lost art these days. The old I bloody know. squib, you know, it's all digital blood now. Which, I know. Um, I think Tarantino is so probably the only one that still uses squibs. I mean, they're messy, film. but they look so good. Mm. Yeah. They just look so good. It's just time and time constraint, time consuming, yeah. and. Mm. Uh, 
Practical um, effects, come so on. So it yeah. turns out that all Hans and his gang were after was the $640 million in bonds in yeah. the vault. Um, it's... Not the samurai armor. No. no. no not the <laughs> or the, or the, or the Edgar Degas painting yeah. of the ballerinas. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I know who painted that. Yeah, yeah. but no. That, ballerinas, going to be Degas. Those goons didn't. So... Yeah, they probably didn't have a fence for that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. take the bonds. <laughs> yeah. Leave the Degas. What? <laughs> <laughs> I also, uh, yeah, so I liked using the, the terrorism as a front and how that got used again and again in the film. So yeah. when when the um, chief of police or deputy chief of police, Dwayne Robinson, gets in touch and God, he says, who got butt fucked on yeah. national TV. <laughs> it was so good. But I also really liked them. Um, so incompetent. Yeah. Like how Hans played him and basically said, I want the seven members of the... Uh, Northern Island group released. I want the nine members of Asian Dawn. Who are Asian Dawn? I read about them in time. (laughs) And Dwayne is on the phone later going, no, Asian Dawn. D-A-W-N... Wait, hang on. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. Why was really he the fun. one making the phone calls? Shouldn't yeah, he have well, had somebody to delegate <laughs> that to? I just <laughs> what just idiot. Trying whatever they. Can. Well, that was the really lovely thing about these police characters, with the exception of obviously um, Powell, mm. um, Sergeant Powell, who's in direct connection with John, and obviously John is a police officer as well. The rest of the police were just shown to be really incompetent, power hungry, squabbling. Yeah. It is, um, kind and of then the FBI who just turned cliche, up, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, I know how this is going to go. They're going to oh. take over the whole thing, and then they're going to get they come up and and they did." And I was like, "That was satisfying. Yeah. I'm satisfied." Johnson and Johnson, Johnson they, and Johnson. They yeah. were great. Johnson Love and them. Johnson, no relation, yeah. no relation. <laughs> one of them, for, the, one of the Fratellis from the Goonies. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I was in yeah, junior high. Was, like, <laughs> big, big Johnson, not little Johnson. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they, that's something else that I really liked about this film was that you know it was it was tense and it was like there's it was all like action and da 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 and then there'd just be that this occasional nice little side quip. Hmm. Oh, there's L- so many yeah. so many great jokes in this. I mean, just great. little tiny just whoop, and then you just move straight on to the next thing. And it was like that was funny. I wanted to linger on that. No, yeah, and you know they onwards. they all have those moments. Like I I thought you know John McClane had some great one liners. Um, you we know, have some laughs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When, yeah, when he's in. When That's he's in the, the scene film. that I knew. The one where he's in the in the vent. Um, in the vent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I also just really liked. Obviously, Hans Gruber has some great lines. I particularly enjoyed. Uh, I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. Like it's it's not funny, but it's it it it's so satisfying in the sense mm. of of the film. Like it's v- establishing very quickly that he's not someone to be messed with. Mm. Um, and then we very quickly see that. That's also the case when he shoots Mr. Tagagi in the head, yeah. um, and and then subsequent other people, including um, Harry Ellis, Ellis uh, what who an idiot, a John boy. <laughs> How much cocaine do you think that guy snorted? Was it was oh, it cocaine or heroin? Yeah, no, who I knows? Mean, I think he's a coke fiend. Yeah. He was, yeah. I also I like that you missed some. Yeah, missed some. <laughs> I also really liked that in that in that scene at the end for him, um, his last scene where he's um, before he gets shot, and they come in with a glass of coke. Yeah, I just kind of assumed that he asked for cocaine or coke, and they, being <laughs> brought not, in Coca-Cola, were German. Just went. I think he wants a Coca-Cola. You know what? I've never thought about that's that. funny. I didn't but think of that either. That's actually really yeah. Cool. No, oh, hey, you got some man. coke, Hans, Bobby. What a waste yeah. of coke! I kind of. Like, guess I've got some coke. Bring him some coke. Bring him some coke. I'm sorry. Is Pepsi okay? <laughs> yeah, it was. Product placement. Yeah, and it was. Um, it was just because yeah, seeing that can of Coca-Cola just seemed really out of place, and I went. 
Yeah. Oh, maybe he asked for coke. And, yeah, but yeah. I mean, I wonder if it's just a directorial flourish where it's just because the last shot you see of his face is him drinking the coke and yeah. then it cuts away. Yeah. And you hear the gunshot. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wonder if it was just for that moment. Could you just know? be. I really yeah. liked, though, that in the next scene where Hans is in his office, Harry's still in the chair, slumped yeah. with, like, clearly the back of his head's all bloody. It's like a but beautiful it's... tracking shot. Yeah, he's right. out of focus, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. focus bloody yeah. head. Like you don't see it at first. Mm. Then you're like, ah, and you're like, oh, and there it, it is. Doesn't rack focus. It mm. just kind of, you know, glides around. Mm. Really nice directorial flourishes in it, this movie. It's just so well shot. I was mm. just watching it like this is, this is so pretty, so well shot. Mm. Yeah. God, can you imagine lugging around those big cameras to get some of those shots as well? Like the camera technologies that they had in the eighties. Well, yeah. It would almost be as difficult as lugging around uh, missiles and a rocket launcher, which uh, I mean, the yeah. goons were. And I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. I would, what about the one that fell off the trolley? Well, like, that's that was a that's a great little detail because that falls off the trolley. So he's like, just leave it. Let's go and sell the rocket. I was waiting for somebody else to get that. Well, that they do, they do because they're, fi- they're firing at the rocket, and he's like, shoot it again. And then the guy realizes, oh, I've got to go back and get the other one, which gives John McClane time to set the detonators gotcha. and throw down the um, mm. the elevator shaft. Yeah. But yeah, I was going to say there's um there's a couple of Ghostbusters alumni in this film. You've got um uh the the news reporter, oh, okay, yeah. um, Richard Hawthorne or something like Thornberry yeah, or yeah Thornburg, or... and he plays um. Walter Peck in Ghostbusters. He's right. the EPA dickless yeah. asshole. That's right, sir. This man has no dick. Yeah, he doesn't. Right. And then you got one of the um the Rocket Man. One of the Rocket Men is Vigo, the scourge of Carpathia, oh, the sorrow of, of Mandavia. I did not even didn't click. Yeah, that's him. And uh, yeah, so little oh. <laughs> little Ghostbusters franchise party. Oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. Um. There was there were some really great action set pieces in this. Obviously, blowing up the RV was great. Um, that was yep. so good. I, I, so satisfying. That. Yeah, just that 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 second floor, just everything getting blown out there, and then that computer impressive. getting dropped down the um, yeah. elevator shaft. And just yeah. he was like, oh shit! Like yeah, just... the, the backdraft of the flames coming up. Yeah, shoot. but I think the outstanding so moment of all that is the is the top of the Nakatomi Tower getting blown. Yeah, um, taking out the, the helicopter. Yeah. yeah, but it's just. It Suck builds it, to such a great climax. Um, <laughs> and stunning. Yeah, and just John McClane on the roof, firing the machine gun get, to like, get the hostages get the back down. Yeah. That, I mean, everything that leads up to that, his fight with um, Carl, yeah. you know, the big, you know, the main hen- second man, henchman, whatever. Yeah. Blunder. Like, all, all that, st- you know, just the pacing of all that action mm. um, between it's great, them. It's a great brawl between the two of them. Oh, Damn, so like, brutal. great fight choreography. Jesus. Yeah. Is it, you really feel the punches. They look. You know they they they're doing their naps pretty well. You mm. know, if I can use stage combat terminology, mate. Yeah. Um, and then of course we get to our, our big uh, our big finale, our big denouement with them. Um, he jumps off the roof with a bloody fire hose. Yeah. Woo! And then we get to Hans uh, and John coming face to face for yeah, the second time. First time, of course, he was Bill Clay. <laughs> yeah. Which now Clay, Bill. So Clay. what happened there? Like he, I mean, I think John McClane was suspicious of this. American guy mm. fumbling around, you know, in the roof area. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's not taking any chances, but he's playing along with Hans, you know, who yeah. may may or may not be, you know, a terrorist or not, but he's not taking any chances. But what really tips it off for him is when he asks him his name and he says, Clay, Billy Clay. And then 
John looks at and he sees the thing a and it's, directory or something. Yeah, there's a, there's okay. So there's a thing on the wall, and I think what it is is it's saying who like the the people who are on like each floor are like the main executive people or something or other. And yeah. there's a list, and it has Clay, but it's W B Clay, not. Yeah, there's well, like, there's like I don't a know, different was that initial, it, or it was twenty nine next to it, and I thought, okay, because they're on the thirtieth floor and not the twenty nine. He's, he's no, or, or did he it, think he's looking specifically at the names? And I don't know if it's like a, a register of like people or something. It must be something but is like it that. Computer? Is it a computerized naming? No, thing, no, no. Or is it it just was a like bunch of no, no. It list? was no, no. It was like um, uh, they have them sometimes. A manifesto. No, no. I feel. I feel it might have been like donors or something. I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing that what happened is that um, Gruber looked at the thing and saw the name Clay and yeah. stole that, but then didn't think to look closely at the other part of or, the Because uh, I've always thought, growing up, that he saw Clay, mm. Gruber says Clay, and McLean sees that there's a Clay there and just thinks, well, obviously he's looked at the same thing that I've looked at and he's mm. just nabbed the first name that came that he saw mm. to use in his kind of improv. I think he just didn't believe the accent. I think well, there's that too. Well, yeah, just, you should be on. You should be on TV. With I'm just wondering accent. why show that little you know list of names. It's at got all. it's got clay on it, and they, they, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, but what happened there? Did he, did he look at it and go, oh well, he he clearly looked at that and he did a usual suspects and looked at the notice board. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's I don't know what the list is. I think it's I think it's something to do with the people who are in the building because it's in alphabetical order as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe it's, it's maybe it's like a like a like a directory of what floor people's offices are on or something. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. I mean, to be honest, I think it's really unimportant for, for oh, the it's whole. Oh, totally, it's totally important, yeah. but you know, it's because very quickly, I mean, it's that thing of um, John gave him a gun with with no bullets yeah. in it. Like, I think well, no matter fucking yeah, stupid. Thank you. yeah, no matter who was going to be there, if he bumped into anyone, yeah. he was always going to do that. I think. Not oh, totally. Um. We get to this this big climactic scene where John and Hans come face to face for the, the second, second time. time after their Bill Clay meeting, and yeah. Hans has Holly um, with the gun to the head. There's the other goon there who's yep just hasn't been killed yet, and I think that's yep, the, the only front reason. Desk guy. Yeah. yeah, and um, John, you know, pulls the uh, gun tape to his back, trick shoots them both. Hans falls out the window, but grabs onto Holly's watch, and then they disconnect the Rolex, and then. Down he falls to his slow motion. slow motion. I tell yes. you what, though, that masking tape is amazing. I want to get me some of that. If it can stick to somebody that sweaty, yeah, that's got to be like like even Gaff doesn't do that. Come on, I want yeah. me some of that tape. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. maybe some of the, like the blood that was on him helped it stick. Maybe it was like it wouldn't though. It would make it harder to stick tape mm. to. Well, in that case, uh, whoever made that season's greeting tape did a did an excellent job. Um, and yeah. yeah, and then Gold we, star for you. we get to our, our lovely ending where Holly and uh, first of all Holly gets macked on by by Sean and sweaty, filthy, sweaty, filthy. filthy. Oh. Yeah. I felt very sorry for it there. And yeah. then they're walking with the rest of the hostages out the building. He finally comes to face to face with Al. They they hug. It is genuinely really, a beautiful moment. It is a genuine. <laughs> like it it's framed. It's framed. Blow. It's framed like something out of a romance movie, yeah. like a Renaissance, like a, a, a yeah, like a friggin' Pride and Prejudice. Like, oh, it's got the music playing and they yeah. see each other from across the way. I was like, I'm loving this. Feel this good is moment. great. One yeah. on one. So good. And then... He um, gets the girl. He gets the girl. Yeah. And the guy. 
and, and the guy their yeah. best friend yeah and then before we you can be happily friend. resolved carl is back from the dead shooting at everyone yeah. but before he can get anyone he's shot by al who's overcome his his twinkie his addiction and his he- terrible backstory of having accidentally shot that kid and he was able to shoot the very obvious threat and yeah. is maybe going to get over his uh his his fear of, of shooting people in and the And then Holly duty. punches that dickhead reporter who screwed yeah. everything up because yeah. if he hadn't gone to the house and tried to interview the kids, Gruber never would have realised that it was his wife. Yeah, would have taken him hostage. Yeah. And I think she probably just punched him in general for like going in and interrupting her kids. On Christmas Eve, do you know how hard it is to get kids mm. to sleep on Christmas Eve? Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, ah! Yeah, well, no no wonder she decked him. <laughs> Yes. I mean, yeah. Fair. And then, yeah, the delightful ending where Argyle, who having kind of trashed the limo by knocking the getaway car uh, beforehand, yeah, the computer out. hacker guy. I just yeah, love the it? fact that he's just like chilling out downstairs for no idea the whole night, like doo mm. doo, and then he finally picks up that shit's going down, and he's like. I'm just gonna stay here. Yeah. I'm gonna drive around in circles for a bit, like yeah. doop doop boop boop. And then busts out the gate, picks him up, says, "I gotta be here for New Year." And then all oh, the weather outside <laughs> is frightful. <laughs> it's such a lovely way to tie up the whole film. It's yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's very enjoyable. And uh, yeah. we, we were talking uh, just before we turned on the mics, um, Luke, about the fact that this film doesn't feel like it has a middle. In the sense yeah. that it starts and it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and then it's the end and you're sort of like that was amazing. Yeah, there was no. It goes at a decent clip. Yeah, it's mm. really really well paced. It perfectly well, you know. I guess that's down to the writing as well. You know, it's just mm. a, yeah, you know, really well paced it's, scene. It's well written. It's well shot. It's yeah. just. That's yeah, beautiful. Mm. It's a sh- yeah, you know. I mean, McTiernan, he's done great work since then, mm. um, and then. And towards the end of his career, I mean, I don't know if you heard about John McTiernan, but he he went to jail. I did not know that. He did. He did because he was. Um, I don't know. He was filming a remake of Rollerball, which mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if it's based on a seventies classic kind of sci-fi sports beat 'em up movie. Mm. And you know, he was just getting very frustrated with the studio. He felt like they were you know going behind his back and changing things and whatever. And he actually hired a private investigator to bug people's phones oh that's awkward like that. mm. and uh he got found out as did the you know the investigator that he was using and he actually did some jail time because of that and that. Um, wow. has not you know worked since and that was early 2000s that that all went down right um, yeah so it's a, it's a real shame because i think maybe for me the last really kind of excellent film he made was um the Thomas Crown Affair remake with Pierce Brosnan and oh, Rene okay. Russo, which I, I haven't seen. That. If you haven't seen it, if anyone out there hasn't seen this film, and I don't think you, you know, I don't think many people have, it is truly excellent. Like, check it out. It's a, it's it's great. Better than the original, in my opinion. All right. If that's controversial. Well, having having watched this, I can see why people are like it's a classic. It's so good. I'm like. Yeah, it is. Mm. It's really good. It is. Would you guys like some trivia about? I'd Die love Hard? some IMDb trivia. Yeah, all right. Uh, the Nakatomi Tower is actually the headquarters of Sony. 20th Century Fox. Oh, I thought it was the Sony building. Uh, no, according to this yeah, one. All right. Yeah, well, why not? Use what you've got. Yeah, the yeah. company charged itself rent for the use of the then unfinished <laughs> building. <laughs> uh, that money must have disappeared up someone's nose, maybe. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, went to Harry Ellis. Yeah. <laughs> Ellis is... Hans, yeah. Booby. Booby. <laughs> got any Coke? Yes, can you get him some coke? Spreckens the talk. <laughs> Spreckens he talk. Such an idiot. Oh, uh, I love to hate him. 
the scene in which Gruber and McLean meet uh, was inserted into the script after Alan Rickman was found to be proficient at mimicking American accents. <laughs> the filmmaker had been looking for a way to have two characters meet prior to the climax and capitalised on this. Great decision. Mm. Oh, we, decision. We were talking about it before. How I mean, just what a great, you know, little twist in the in the middle of this, you know, pretty decent yeah. action film. Normal, you know? norm, normally, you know, the good guy and the bad guy don't get to meet until right at the end. Yeah. So it's unusual to have that, but it's really satisfying because you're like, oh, oh, is a spatter. This what is this going to do? This Ooh. is interesting. Yeah. Well, it was kind of like I was sitting there going, okay, so how's this going to end up? Like, obviously, the They've got to have their big showdown at the end because that's how these films work. But yeah. this is an interesting spanner. I want to yeah. see where they go with this. Um, Bruce Willis received a then unheard of $5 million for this film. Wow. Uh, the fee was approved by Fox president Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> oh, thanks. Good old Roops. Here you go, Bruce. Brucey Woosey. I'll give you $5 million. I love moonlighting, mate. <laughs> how much would that be in uh, modern money, though? That money today would be worth... Ten point three million dollars. Okay, so yeah, that's you know it's doubled. I, f- yeah. I feel yeah. I, I, f- I thought it'd be more. But... I feel like yeah. it was getting made today. Movie. He'd be getting oh yeah. I feel like he'd be getting like, you'd be getting like fifty mil now if you were an actor or something stupid like that. Well, like for your first movie, I mean that is ten million is pretty. Is it his yeah. first movie though? I don't um, know. It's his first leading role in an action movie. It's his first leading action role. Yeah, film. he'd done a couple that's of pretty the bits good. And yeah, that's right. Good yeah. job, Brucey. Heart. Bochner, his line of Hans, yeah. Bubby, mm. was ad libbed. <laughs> oh, Alan Rickman's quizzical reaction was genuine. <laughs> he would have just been like, "What? <laughs> what Amazing!" Was... Yes, you're very, you're very perspective, you're very perceptive. <laughs> yeah, but just that look of, yeah. What, what are you talking fuck? about? <laughs> calling me Hans Gruber, Bubby, yes. Bubby. What a gr- yeah. He he just hasn't done enough. This actor, where is he? Uh, Hart Bochner. Was most recently in uh, 2008's Just Add Water. Um, <laughs> I what the show with John Jarrett talking about Australian ways to save water. It 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 actually popped up before Die Hard on his most notable movie. There you go. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Um, let's have a look. He's still active. All his great improv um, skills have gone. To he waste. is 62. <laughs> He's Canadian. Um, and looking at his filmography, his most recent film was 2016's Rules Don't Apply, where he played Colonel Willis. I'm glad he's... St- oh. Not Bruce Willis, Not Bruce but, Willis. but close. <laughs> and his name was Ellis. So mm. think about that, viewers. Oh, <laughs> he will. there's a link here. Um, <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> it's all in the same universe, you I'm guys. Glad he's, I'm glad he's still somewhat working. Oh, that was a few years ago. Though. Mm. A couple of yeah. Yeah. Two? Where, where, where are we? It's it's two thousand eighteen. Oh. Still, not yeah. for much longer. Yeah. Not for much longer. There. The scene where McLean falls down the shaft was a mistake by the stuntman who was supposed to grab the first vent. Um, he slipped and continued to fall, but the shot was used anyway and was edited to one where McLean grabs the next vent. Yeah, down. which is so much better. Yeah, you know, instead yeah. of just grabbing the first thing because it, yeah, it's such a suspenseful moment. I don't know, did you feel yeah. that? You missed no, the first thing and then he's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my God. And yeah. then I was like, yes, brilliant. I think it makes it more realistic. Yeah. Realistically, like, yeah, he's an NYPD cop. How many times is he going to be jumping out like inside an elevator shaft from like yeah. thing to thing, covered in sweat and stressed out and whatever else? Yeah. No, it looked That's good. That's cool, yeah. yeah. I'm it was very cool. mistake used very well. Uh, the original script, as well as the original novel, um, saw the action taking place over three days. But John McTiernan God. was inspired to have it take place in a single night by A Midsummer Night's Dream. 
Okay, that's a, that's a, that's something I was not expecting. Mm. Interesting Shakespeare reference. Yeah. Well, you know, what? just who's what? what I mean, it's what a movie stream. It's, it's a, not. It's a play. What movie? What? <laughs> oh, oh, right. Yeah, it's so by an up-and-coming scriptwriter called William Shakespeare. Right. Yeah. Oh, he did um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. watched uh, Romeo and Juliet? That's that's one of his works. <laughs> oh, far out. That's awesome. <laughs> the scene where Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman meet up was unrehearsed to create a greater feeling of spontaneity between the two actors. Beautiful. Cool. So they ju- they just told, okay, so this has to happen at some point. Mm. Off you go. That's nice. really great. Mm. It, it is one of the more memorable, quiet scenes in the whole film. You know, mm. Yeah, love it. John McTernan found it necessary to smash cut away from Hans Gruber's face whenever he fired a gun because Alan Rickman had an uncontrollable habit of flinching from Aww. the noise and the muzzle flash. <laughs> oh, bless. <Aww. laughs> bless you, Alan you. Rickman. I just don't like the kickback of these clocks. Yeah. <laughs> I will kill you now. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> One, two, three. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of sweet, though. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, in the making of featurette, director John McTiernan revealed that a vast majority of the exterior shots of the building showing explosives were real, full-scale explosions that were set off in and around the actual building. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, they, look, they look real That'd, to me. They well, they obviously are. Yeah. Uh, Alan Rickman's first day of shooting um, was when he filmed the scene where Hans Gruber first runs into John McClane. He made a jump off the ledge that was about three foot high and injured his knee when he landed, damaging some cartilage. He was told by his doctor not to put any weight on that leg and had to use crutches for a week. For the rest of the scene where Hans Gruber is standing and talking to McClane, Alan Rickman is standing on one leg for the entire time and has a leg brace on under his pants. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Doing what a bit a... of a Tom Cruise there. Yeah. Or a Jackie Chan. They've all done it. Yeah, yeah. just keep going. Go, just <clears throat> plaster that up and send me on my way. Yeah. Bloody yeah. what's-his-face in Lord of the Rings getting his tooth kicked out and being yeah. like, glue it back in. I'm going to finish the day and then I'll go. What what's his bloody name? Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Only a couple of the actors who played the German terrorists were actually German and only a couple more could speak broken German. The actors were cast... That's more... why they were all going, Schnell, Schnell! That yeah. was like the extent mm. of their body. <laughs> the actors were cast for their menacing appearances rather than their nationality. Nine of the twelve were over six foot tall. When John McClane runs through the glass shards in his bare feet after Hans has his men shoot out the glass partitions, uh, Bruce Willis is in fact wearing special rubber shoes designed to look like his bare feet. One can in fact see this uh, if they look closely at his feet because they appear a bit larger than they're supposed to be. Like hobbit feet. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, That's good. And I'll just say about the whole glass in the foot and everything, I think that's what sets this movie apart from a lot of... I mean, look, I know a lot of action heroes take punishment, whatever, but um, I really like this one because it's it's so brutal. It's something that everyone can relate to. Like, you've all stepped on something and you've, you know, brutally hurt yourselves and, you know, screamed profoundly. I've had glass in my foot. It bloody hurts. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it was a very small shard of glass, but it's the really small ones that really hurt. And it At just, least it's when you could dig it out. And it, it's great. And so you see a real vulnerable side to our hero. Yeah. To the fact where he's just in the bathroom talking to Al thinking he's really not going to make it mm. and he has a bit of I'm a kind of bleed out just from this tell... artery out of my foot yeah it's a lot of blood it's such an emotional performance though which mm. I think um, elevates this whole movie just to another level where you know John McClane is pouring his heart out um, you know he doesn't think he's going to see Holly again and you know, I was it, like, no, you won't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a cliche sort of thing. Like, you're going to make it out of your man. You're going to tell her that yourself. But mm. um, I think it's a really moving um, performance from Bruce Willis. Like, yeah. yeah. 
It is. That vulnerability, I think, is quite important for yeah. for this. Um, in the spring of 1987, the producer, Joel Silver, and director, McTiernan, attended a performance of the play Dangerous Liaisons, <laughs> where they saw Alan Rickman playing a baddie. Uh, immediately, <laughs> Silver and McTiernan realised they had found their Hans Gruber. Amazing. Yeah, great. And this is his first film role. Like, yeah. it's, he's really good. He's just... He's a great he's, actor. He's got that's it. The thing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He's a theatre actor. Mm. He knows how to do the thing. It's good. Uh, Bruce Willis's exhaustion from his schedule because he was also shooting Moonlighting at the same time oh my God. forced Stephen D'Souza to beef up the roles of the other characters, giving uh, people like Al Powell, Ellis, Argyle, and Richard Thornburg more personality and screen time. There are so many things that happened in this script that Happy could have accidents. made this such a really run-of-the-mill, fucking boring Happy action movie. Yeah, yeah and it just made it amazing. Of them. Mm. Um, at the suggestion of the director, Ludwig van Beethoven's Ode to Joy, Ninth yes. Symphony, Fourth yeah. Movement, is the yeah. musical theme of the terrorists. Hans Gruber, the terrorist leader, even hums it at one point. The film's composer, Michael Kamen, at first thought it was sacrilege to use Beethoven in an action film, saying, wow. I will make mincemeat out of Wagner or Strauss for you, but why Beethoven? <laughs> uh, McTiernan replied that Ode to Joy had been the theme of the ultraviolet A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Cayman, who was a Kubrick fan, then agreed to work, work it into this film. And it's probably I... one of the greatest scores mm. ever written and his best work. And R.I.P. Michael a... Kamen. It's, mm. real... it's, yeah. a, it's a good score. Yeah. It's a good score. He's done lots of good scores, that I, guy. That's I think great. it's interesting as well, looking at the score of this compared to action movies that would then follow. If you look at any action movie today, the entire score is just like rap music. More yeah, or it's less. all electronic, done by Brian Tyler, who's a I mean, hack. This film started with it. It was December twenty fourth, you know. <laughs> no, but that was like proper, like old school hip hop. Now it's just like run of the mill, shitty hip hop. It was a proper good joke as well. Yeah. Like, don't you have any Christmas music? It this is Christmas, is music. Christmas music. Yeah, An ill so reindeer. <laughs> No, this um, was this was really good, yeah. and I it was it was nice to watch an action movie that wasn't just like motherfucker like just bad rap. That <laughs> was as they rap. all were <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's the reason that I don't rap, and it's because I am the whitest person in the world. It's terrible. She is. Yeah, I really am. I've got shades on right now. Yeah. Uh, Clint Eastwood originally owned the rights to the novel "Nothing Lasts the Rather" on which this film is based. Huh. I was wondering what it was called. Planned yeah. to star in the film around the early 1980s, so this could have been Clint Eastwood running around the. It's Nakatomi it's Town. a um a bit of a trend with the Die Hard movies. Well, at least the first three. Like um, the second one was you know ba- a script that was based on a novel or a yeah it was based on a novel called Fifty Eight Minutes, mm. and it was wasn't meant for Die Hard. It wasn't meant for John McClane, uh, but it was rewritten as screw it, John McClane. Steal it. And Die Hard Three was based on a screenplay called Simon Says, um, which was you know the same plot and everything, yeah. but no John McClane. And then it's just a script that they reworked mm. uh, for that sequel. So yeah, it's a bit of a trend happening there. With and it's why you have Jeremy Irons doing all the Simon Says Simon, stuff. That he does. Oh, they were lucky to have. I him. met a man going to St. Hives. That man love it. Can we? We're gonna. We we have to do that film. Well, definitely. I mean, die, yeah. how could you make Die Hard better? Add Jeremy Irons, add Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. That's Die Hard they 3. Were very, That's not bad, actually. It was yeah. very good decisions to have We will get involved. to them one day. Yes. Uh, but before that, uh, we have to talk about the fact that Reginald Vell Johnson, who played Sergeant Powell, 
um, said that after his appearances in this and the second Die Hard film, he would be frequently teased and joked at by friends and people on the street for his character's obsession with Twinkies. Some people even went as far as to buy him Twinkies and throw them into his car while he was inside, saying things like, oh, I knew you'd want some of these. He doesn't really like Twinkies anymore. Why would you? They're horrible. It's like a horrible, like, 99% sugar cake with, like, frosting inside that's also like 99% sugar like it's just diabetes well he, yeah. he runs through packet. the ingredients that make a Twinkie in the film yeah John McClane doesn't like them either he's spitting horrible, them into a bucket yeah. horrible like colouring yellow number four or whatever the hell it was I'm mm. like yeah that's the thing with American food though it's either amazing or it's just horrifying there's absolutely no in between with it and well, Twinkies are horrifying there's a Twinkies joke in the um the now come out movie uh, Mortal Engines it's probably the best thing in that movie oh <laughs> okay. that's unfortunate and um, yeah uh, yeah it's it's really bad guys um, looks great looks really good but oh, so disappointed to save us having to go see it what is the Twinkie joke in Mortal Engines well it's set in the future obviously this thing and um, the our heroine they're kind oh of they on, find one and they're, they're on like... the lamb and she's got this you know really dirty packet of something and the other guy's like what are you eating I'm hungry and she's you know, she eats and throws him one. And he's like looking at the pack and he's like, what? This expires in 2118. That's over a thousand years ago. He's like, it's American and it's still good. Or something yeah, like no, that. that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly it. So much sugar in it, it'll never die. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Twinkies are like that. Uh, the scene where John McClane tries to smash the window with a chair in order to get the attention of Al Powell required multiple takes because the glass window was too strong to break from a single blow. In fact, the glass window was so strong that Bruce Willis managed to break the chair before he broke the window. <laughs> nice. That's great. Uh, I have a way to fix that. Use, like, fake glass, guys. Come on. <laughs> or faker glass. Like sugar That's... glass. Yeah. yeah. But you needed that first initial hit, you know, which... Yeah. I love it. it's like one of the leg goes in and he's just, he, you know, he's trying and obviously it can't break because mm. he's like, well, we've got to use something else. Oh, there's a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. I enjoyed that. Mm. And I'll just say my one of my favorite action moments was him just reversing. before that. What, him under the table mm. and the guy shooting at him. He's like, Yo, I'm going to kill you. Where are you going, pal? Mm. And, you know, well, next, time you have a chan- next time you have a chance to kill someone, don't hesitate. He's like... <laughs> Thanks for the advice. And he just shoots his balls off. Yeah. Continue. It was great. All the way up the front of his thighs. Yeah. So wow. many squibs. Mm. Uh, Jeb Stewart was having difficulty writing the screenplay until he had a near-death experience whilst driving at night in Los Angeles after a fight with his wife. He was driving behind a, dr- a truck carrying refrigerators and one of the fridge boxes <laughs> fell out of the truck. Oh my Luckily God. for him, the box was empty. He realised that if he died, he wouldn't have been able to apologise to his wife and this inspired him to give John McClane and Holly's characters their motivations in the film. Nice. Gotcha. Oh, right. Mm. Okay. Now that lots of happy Oh my accidents. God, it's a refrigerator box. Oh, it's empty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fine. I'm not going to die. But for that split second, I thought I was gonna. Without that, we wouldn't have Die Hard. Right? Yeah. The empty fridge. Again, happy attack. accidents. All yeah, these, like, a perfect storm. Yeah. Um, so this film, because it's called Die Hard, has lots of very interesting titles in foreign language markets. Mm. But the one that stuck out for me was the Hungarian title, uh-huh. which is Give Your Life Expensive. Hmm. That's the title. It's... The sequel <laughs> okay. is Your Life is More Expensive. <laughs> And the third one is the life is always expensive. So that, <laughs> where do you go from there? Um, that's just that's where your this life. One ends. It's still on sale. It's reduced now. Yeah, please buy twenty percent off. Yeah, <laughs> I mean even the even the even the, the sequel names in English kind of get 
interesting and ridiculous. You know, I mean, it's Die Hard, Die Hard Two, Die Harder, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, Live Free and Die Hard, and A Good Day to Die Hard. Mm. Absolute tosh. I mean, not as bad as the Fast and Furious campaign, which is like, what oddities go in? Some of them have numbers, some of them don't. I don't know what. Yeah, I think that franchise knows it's stupid by now, but Die Hard are really... I think that franchise always knew it was stupid, let's be honest. But the new Die Hard should be coming out, and it's going to be a kind of a flashback movie with old uh, old John McClane doing something, and then it flashes back to 70s John McClane in New York as a cop. Oh, and they're, okay. they're redoing the whole thing. And <gasps> I don't know that could be that could be interesting. So you will have Bruce Willis and then someone Baby playing Bruce the young Willis. Bruce Willis, okay, or it, a CGI Benjamin s- Button style. I was going to say, are they using the I same actor from Looper to play young Bruce? They Willis? should, yeah, make up. Yeah, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, yeah. get him in. Yeah. Oh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes, yeah. he's mm-hmm. great. I love him. Mm. Uh, for the shot where Hans Gruber falls from the top of the building, Alan Rickman was actually falling from a 21-foot-high model. He was holding onto a stuntman and falling onto an airbag. To get the right reaction, the stuntman dropped Rickman on the count of two, not I three. I've heard that. I've heard that. Oh. So his reaction in slow motion is, like, genuine. Yeah. He's, like, literally surprised. Like, yeah. This is how I heard it's... he sounded when he fell. Yeah, he, he, he screamed in slow motion because yeah. he was that professional. No, that was normal speed sound. Yeah, yeah. He's... yeah. <laughs> uh, according to Hans Beringer... Uh, who played Fritz, Alan Rickman did an excellent German accent and meticulously researched German speech. Since English is a second language in Germany, Rickman even got the dialect of German correct. When Hans tells Takagi that he enjoyed making models as a boy, he says, I always enjoyed to make models when I was a boy. This is the correct German way to say it in English. What a pro. Yeah, he's an absolute consummate professional. He was so good. And it is is such a shame he's no longer with us, but... (sighs) so good but yeah his the body of work that he leaves behind particularly starting with Die Hard like what a way to start oh, I tell you what yeah. came in with a bang how did he pass away it was, was it cancer, cancer? Oh, yeah it was a couple it was, of years ago he now. was right at the start of 2016 so you remember yeah. that was the year all the celebrities died and... it was the week after David Bowie died yeah, so Bowie right. had kind of been the first big celebrity death and then yeah. Rickman was less than a week later and everyone yeah. was like fuck off 2016 yeah Originally, the character of John McClane was supposed to be yet another 1980s super action hero. Uh, McTiernan was, in his words, uh, bored with such characters. And since uh, working with Schwarzenegger the year before on Predator, um, he basically said he wanted to work with a character that was more of an average guy. Um, Mm. So that's why they ended up going for Bruce Willis, who was primarily known at that time for his comedic work on Moonlighting. And it works. Yeah, Yeah. totally. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, in an article for the 30th anniversary of Die Hard, Bonnie Bedilia, how do you say it? Bedilia? Bedilia. I believe. Yeah. Okay. Bonnie Bedilia stated that the first thing she thinks of when someone mentions Die Hard is Alan Rickman. Uh, the two became friends and had lunch together every day while shooting the film. She expressed how lovely and gentle he was in real life. Aww. So, yeah. You can That's just imagine, nice. like, Hans and Holly having lunch. Yeah. And then going back to, like, taking her hostage and stuff. And, yeah, yeah it's... I thought that's a nice note to end is, on with the trivia. Nice. Cause, that's nice. Yeah, it's just... It's such a lovely film, and it, it looks like it would have been tremendous fun to put together I loved well. this. I loved the mm. set with the... Um, like the fancy floor that they were on when they were doing the party and they had all like the, the waterfall and like all the foliage and all of that crap mm. and like the little pond underneath it and all that sort of stuff. And then you've got when the building's getting blown up and he's running through it and I'm like, that must have been such a fun set to make and to be on because there's all the stuff on fire. Like, 
all those beautiful practical effects on an actual physical set as opposed to like CGI effects now and just acting opposite a green screen. Like how mm. much fun would that have been for Bruce Willis? Just like, yeah. Yeah, there was lots of, lots of great. So you had kind of a bit of everything. You had unfinished floors with all yeah. you know, crap everywhere. Great got the sets. Vent, the, the vents and the elevator shafts and the, the, seat, roof. the, the roof. Yeah. 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 So all that remains is to score the film. And Alan, you are our first time watcher of this film, so you get to go first. What score are you giving Die Hard out of 10? I'm giving it eight and a half Twinkies out of 10. That's a, nice. that's a good score, even it's if a, it's a it, bit gross. <laughs> Twinkies are horrible. No, I, I really enjoyed this. This is, like I said, this is something that I would have really enjoyed watching as like, it sort of as a kid or sort of coming into high school, I would have enjoyed watching this. It's the kind of thing I would have sat down and watched with my mother and been like, this is awesome, this is so cool, I'm a girl. Hmm. But yeah, I'm surprised that I never actually watched it because it's kind of, yeah, right up my alley. Jago, what about you? Uh, yeah, look, 10 Billy Clays out of 10. I've, mm. You know, I'm, I have to, I mean, you know, I don't want to maybe watch it once a year, but watching it with you, Ellen, kind of watching it vicariously through new eyes again, you know, it made Seeing the it, excitement it made, of the, yeah. why is it so orange? Yeah, it made me, Impact, I love that font. <laughs> it just filled me with joy. And, and it actually, it, you know, it reaffirmed. Uh, to me that it still holds up and that there's a lot in yeah. there that maybe I'd taken for granted. I don't know, mm. I feel like, you know, yeah, so... You've seen it in you yeah. through fresh eyes. Yeah. So 10 out of 10, go on. I always say that when, when I'm considering giving a film a really high score, one of the things I look at is could what? they have made the film any better? Yeah. Um, I think Die Hard, for, of all the 80s action films I've watched, I think it is out in a field of its own. Like, mm. in a yeah. very competitive mark marketplace but it is out on its own i think as the preeminent example of like a really good action film great story well cast a rollicking ride could they have made it any better i don't think so so i have to give it 10 agent johnson's out of 10 i think it's rich uh, johnson big johnson or little johnson no there's 10 of them (laughs) (laughs) 10, 10 johnson's uh, no, no relation. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's a fantastic <laughs> film, and yeah, it's 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 always interesting when giving a film a ten out of ten score. I think it really has to be something that is just a really good example of its type, um, mm. and I think that that Die Hard definitely does that. So yeah, I yeah. had a tremendous time watching this. Yeah, totally agree. It's so, awesome. So, uh, Luke and Ellen, thank you very much for watching Die Hard with me. Thank you so much. See you next time for Die Hard 2. Die Harder. Mm. Well, <laughs> that one's set at Christmas too, isn't it? It is. Well, yeah. Next year. Maybe. Whoa. Or That's are you right. going to do something like Jingle All The Way, which is awful. Such a terrible film. Um, oh, I, I love that know. film. It's so terrible. I'll I love it because one. it's terrible. You'll skip Jingle All The Way? Yeah, Give it to someone else. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. Well, uh, for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening to this episode. We hope that you are going to have a very uh, festive holiday period, whether or not you choose to celebrate it. It's not really my business, but I hope that you have a lovely time regardless. If you want to find out more about the series, maybe catch up on all the previous episodes. We're available on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there and get all our previous episodes. Uh, We're also available on Facebook if you want to leave us reviews, maybe uh, other Christmas films that we can review in the future. Just go to facebook.com and search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. And we are on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. You can 
can become an official member of the club there and get some extra bonus goodies as well. So uh, make sure you do that. Maybe get it as a Christmas gift for yourself. Go on, you've earned it. Uh, but that's all for this week. So until next time, yippee kaye, everyone. <laughs> Happy motherfucking New Year. Yeah. <laughs> You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. It was December 24th on Holly's Ave in the dark When I see a man chilling with his dog in the park I approach very slow with my heart full of fear Looked at his dog on my guard An ill reindeer! reindeer.